strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Uh, election day is here, which means people are going to the polls. We know there have been some issues in Maricopa County with the machines, with the tabulation machines. Up to 20% of the machines are not working, or, or 20% of locations are experiencing some kind of issue with voting machines. Uh, that leads us to talk about security. Joining us now is the Maricopa County Sheriff Paul Penzone. Sheriff, welcome to the show again. Michael, how are you, my friend? I'm all right. Uh, are you concerned that with what's happening already, there's been a, 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 an elevated level of rhetoric going on over the last couple of weeks, and now we're hearing about issues with voting machines. Are you on higher alert because of that? Well, no, I think this is what we prepared for, but I have to express gratitude because I've heard your message you know, for people to be patient, to understand that we're humans and there are going to be errors, but they'll be overcome by good good men and women who are responsible to count these votes. So um, give them the benefit of the doubt, be patient with them, work with them, and, and the outcome will be transparent and accurate. But for us, we prepared for the worst case scenario with the hopes that people show us the best of them. And uh, and I'll go about the day just with that attitude and we'll be prepared for whatever we need to deal with. Yeah, a couple of quotes. Uh, we're going to prepare for any kind and all circumstances in hopes that we see happy people. Should it turn the other direction, we're prepared to deal with it and we feel confident. That's a quote from you yesterday. Today. Can you uh, expound on that a little bit? Yeah, we, this is, you know, we've been in preparation for some time now. The last election kind of exposed um, the, the direction we're headed as a nation when it comes to these issues. And my hope is to, is to it's course correct that we teach people that they can trust in the institution of voting and that they can trust in law enforcement to keep them safe. So we've done things like physical barricades all around the recorder's office. I've dedicated employees, you know, deputies and, and even detention officers out there helping us to monitor all of, not, I say all of, to, on a rotation to monitor the polling sites. So they have grids where they've got, you know, a handful of sites that they'll be responsible to check on and we'll respond very quickly if there's an issue of concern when it comes to the recorder's office we have you know i'll use the word of battalion i don't know if that's accurate or not but you'll see some some deputies that will be present out and about checking the, the grounds and there'll be a, a lot more deputies that are tucked away in case we need to respond because we don't want to treat this like a, a military site but we want to make sure that we're protecting it like it's i've been using the term fort knox every vote is a piece of gold and we're going to treat it that way and, and protect the people inside and protect the vote itself uh, technology, so physical barriers, technology, um, intelligence, and people have all come together with a lengthy planning to make sure that we have uh, the ability to respond and address any issues. Have there have you heard any reports of uh, of issues that your deputies had to respond to yet? No, it's more so just the things that you've expressed where at some of the sites, you know, as a matter of fact, I was just over at the library myself when we know that there are some technical glitches that we want to get out in front of it. So we're heading to those locations to make sure people are calm and they're respecting each other and respecting the employees there. And then as they resolve it, we'll move on to the next location. But right now it's just been a little bit of anxiety. It's people not knowing what to expect or fearing the worst and working in that capacity. And we want to change that that focus and that mentality that, you know, expect the best. Uh, you know, we expect that we're going to really do well here in Arizona. We'll represent across the nation as a uh, just a good community where we do it the right way. All right. So one more quote from you yesterday. I'd like some clarification on um, yesterday in a presser. You said you won't have tolerance for violent language for candidates or politicians. Can you explain what you meant by that? Sure. You know, there's some there's some state statutes. One is a misdemeanor. The other two are felonies where if the words that you use are intent to promote violence, you know, you're basically saying things to provoke others to act in a violent manner, a criminal manner that you yourself are part of that 
um, you know, that crime itself, that, that we are going to hold leaders accountable if you're saying things that are untruthful. And in your words, you choose to try to incite violence or riots or things of that nature that my men and women and people in this organization I'm responsible for are in harm's way because of it uh, or others could be hurt. Then I'm going to hold you accountable. No different than the person who's out on the street throwing rocks or doing you know criminal things. So do the opposite. Be a leader. If you truly want to be a leader. Your words matter. Choose the right words and inspire people to solutions, not to not to be divisive. Did you is it was it surprising to you or is it surprising to you that it's gotten to where it's gotten to that you're putting barricades up around uh, election? You know, the Maricopa County Recorder's office is is it surprising that the level it's gotten to or, or, or is this you just figure par for the course? No, I think it's more disappointing and, and you know, I get to some extent surprising. But, you know, I, I remember years ago, Mike, when I was a candidate and I spoke to my opponent and I said, wouldn't it be nice? And this is before the election actually started the process. Wouldn't it be nice if we chose to speak about the issues and really focus on what's best for the community and got away from a lot of the things that we see that tear people apart? And, and he said to me, he goes, Paul, you're naive. That's not politics. And my response was, no, I disagree. We define politics. It doesn't define us. But right now, I think a lot of people use bad behavior as you know, that politics is an alibi for it, that dishonesty and vitriol and all these kind of things, because it's a win at all cost mentality. But the cost is the best interest of our children. The cost is our integrity. The cost is the ethics that we should have and the principles as a nation. Um, you know, as an example, I interviewed with a German reporter yesterday and she said, is this normal? I think a lot of people are trying to make it the norm, but I refuse to accept that. The norm is that we're better than this, and we have the ability to rise to the occasion or fall to the vitriol. And and I'm not going to, you know, as a leader myself, um, I'm going to try to lead by example. And and that is by being professional and ethical and having integrity and and making sure that in our responsibilities that we are convicted and that we hold the line. So let me go the opposite direction with the last question. It may seem like a strange question, but if there is if there is evidence of some kind of misdeed when it comes to the election, people trying to influence or actually cheat, let's use the word cheat. Is that the purview of your office to do something about that today or is that somebody else's? No, absolutely unequivocally. We'll work with the prosecutor's office because any and all crimes that fall under the authority of the sheriff's office, uh, you know, our, it's our responsibility to investigate, we'll investigate. They, and so, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, people's behaviors relative to trying to create unrest. But at the same time, if there is an indication, there are facts or evidence that um, points in the direction where there is some form of fraud, then we will be as convicted to investigate that as we are investigating the other elements. Now, the difference is, this is a little bit unfamiliar territory for law enforcement. We've never been in this space, so we have to really work closely with the county attorney's office, the attorney general's office, and even the U.S. attorney's office to make sure that we understand the parameters of our authority and that as we investigate these crimes, we properly document it and, and submit it so that we can determine if there was any fraud and, and prosecute those responsible. Sheriff, as always, I appreciate the time. I know it's a very, very busy day for you, and I hope your people stay safe. Thank you, my friend. We always appreciate your support for law enforcement and just the fact that you you speak truth and uh, you make sure that people are accountable for their own actions. And that goes a long way. So thank you for what you're doing. You're a leader also, Mike. Thanks, Sheriff. I appreciate that. Sheriff Paul Penzone, uh, just a few minutes about election security here in Maricopa County as people are upset about some machines not working. We'll get an update on that as the morning goes on. Coming up in a moment, we're going to talk about new polls, finding out that Americans agree schools are very politicized. That's coming up here in just a couple of moments.
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, if you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, I'm inviting you to do that right now on any device you have. It's very simple. Never miss a minute of the show again. The Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home and guaranteed offers by going to higherprice.com. It's higherprice.com. Now, this may seem like an obvious thing to you, but it's it's one of the words in the headline that got me. New poll finds Americans overwhelmingly agree schools are too politicized. Um, Overwhelmingly is a pretty big statement. And according to this poll, it was done October 20th to 23rd, just days before the National Assessment of Educational Progress, the National Report Card, found that every state saw a decline in math scores since 2019. Students in fourth and eighth grade saw the largest score drops ever recorded. Among 1,600 likely voters polled nationwide, 61% said they oppose legislation that would expand the definition of child abuse to parents who do not affirm their child's gender dys- dysphoria. Uh, 46% of respondents strongly oppose the idea. Um, it also said when asked whether candidate stances on educational issues was important in the November 8th midterm, 85% said the issue was important. 45% said the issue was somewhat important. Um, when you look at where we are with education, and there's another story in here that I thought was amazing, and it is about uh, we need to reverse the global learning crisis before it derails a generation of children, I believe is absolutely true. I've got what I think is a bit of a solution for many, not for all, but nothing is a one-size-fits-all. Um, and I've talked about this quite a bit, and this is a story from AZ Central, and it's about EVIT, the East Valley Institute of Technology. Trade students train for lucrative careers and finish with minimal debt. People are looking at how do I get into the workforce with the least amount of debt with a skill set that will feed me for a lifetime. And I don't know if children think about that for kids. It's more about what do you want to be when you grow up, when you're a little kid. And then as you get a little bit older, what are you drawn to? Is it someone that draws you to an industry? Is it something about an industry that draws you there? And there are some people that just go and get a job and kind of find their way later. I didn't find the trades, but the trades definitely found me. It was, call it um, being blessed, call it being lucky, call it whatever you want. I was kind of a, just a meandering soul. I wasn't doing much of anything with my life. I was working. I've always worked. Um, I just wasn't planning on a future. The trades, I started at 18 years old as an electrical apprentice or a helper on a job site wiring houses, basic electrical stuff. In a span of six years. I went from being a misguided 18-year-old with no direction to being not only a journeyman electrician, but a journeyman electrician that was the manager of a company. It wasn't a big company. Only five or six electricians working there, but I worked myself into management. As soon as I found a direction, and here's something else that may be um, a sense of, of relief for some parents out there or for some young people. I've never been unemployed in my adult life when I hadn't chosen to be unemployed in any industry, but especially as as an electrician, for someone barely with a high school diploma, how many people out there can say, I've never been unemployed when it wasn't voluntary? Never. And I can, in all honesty. And to me, that's an amazing accomplishment because I didn't even know what I wanted to be when I grew up, when I was growing up. It, it fell in my lap. So I'm, I'm saying this because I believe if we want to not just help kids get better jobs, that's a goal. But the education that they need to educate themselves no matter what they do, 
these trade schools, these CTEDs, um, they are such a great avenue because it gives a kid purpose for the learning. You know, we, we, I think we remember it when we were kids, but we lose sight of it as adults. When we were kids, we didn't understand, when am I ever going to use geometry or algebra or some of the biology I'm learning? I'm never going to do any of this stuff. When am I ever going to use it? When you get to one of these CTEDs and you choose a direction and you say, let's, you're going to go, you're going to be a welder or you're going to be an electrician and you realize, wait a minute, these algebraic equations, these geometry equations, I'm going to use these every day of my professional life. I guarantee you there are a lot of engineers out there that never imagined that when they were in high school that math would be an important part of their life or the key to their success in an industry. When you give a a kid a direction and say, you want to do this, you like what you're doing, you like welding, you like doing these other things, well, this is how your classroom practical learning applies to your life. It's real life application. And then it makes them, it makes more sense. And I think that's one way that we can shift the grade point averages and the learning skills and the learning curve for kids is to get them to understand at a younger and younger time in their life, not just that they need an education, but why they need this specific education. And these CTEDs help these young people find direction. And many of them are kids that are going on to college. It's not, these are not just kids that are going to go into the workforce. Many of them take these skill sets with them onto a college education. I just wanted to step in with that because I just think it's so important to fixing what, what ails us. Coming up in a minute, Chuck Coughlin, CEO and president of High Ground, joins us. He is a political strategist as well as a pollster. We're going to talk to him about what's going on. We'll get the lowdown in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Election Day is here. We know there's been some issues at polling places, but to talk a little bit about the campaigns now that we're in the final stretch, joining us right now from high ground is Chuck Coughlin. Chuck, welcome back. Mr. Mike, great to be with you. Let's let's talk about um, a couple of things in the election I think are important. Um Let's talk about the division. We know what's happening today at the polls. The machines aren't working. It's adding to the anxiety. Have you ever seen an election cycle that has been this adversarial? No, I haven't. I mean, that that's the narrative of both campaigns, both parties right now, has been to breed this discontent and unhappiness with the other side. And it leaves many Arizonans and many voters who are trying to navigate the environment sort of bereft of where to go. And, uh, you know, the election denialism to the immigration crisis to to, uh, you know, the, the road decision uh, to to immigration uh, is just a, a cornucopia of conflict that that is just characterizing the entire cycle. You know, it's interesting. I've I've uh, maintained that the best way to fix this problem is to go out and get, un, you know, un, disenfranchised voters, people that are sick of the system, that don't want to feel dirty in the system, is to go out and get those people engaged in the process. We are electing the same people because the same people are voting for the same people. But we, I know that is an oversimplified answer, and it's easier said than done. Do you think it's possible to get those people out there with opinions that don't vote engaged in this process? <laughs> 
Yeah, I do. I think there's a way to do that. I think, and we've been talking about it and working with some folks about it. Is talking about ways perhaps we could change the election cycle, give voters a better opportunity to express their opinions. I personally believe that's an open primary where you put everybody on the ballot, you disempower both parties, you put voters in charge instead of party, you put voters in charge of listening to candidates who want to talk about their state or country first, not their party first, and you let the entire electorate choose then who the best candidates are. You can do the top two and then run off after that, or you could do an instant runoff type election after that. But in any environment, it's better than what we currently have. What we currently have is this binary choice system that you're talking about where one party vilifies the other party. I mean, we're all exhausted by all the negative advertising. So what environment could we create where you would disincentivize negative advertising. And that, that would be a ranked choice voting system where you, you are really reluctant to be negative on anybody else because you want to be somebody's first or second choice. And so, therefore, you just talk about yourself. And I think that would be a better environment. That'd be a better way to conduct an election. That'd be a better future but you know we could imagine that right now we're not in that we're not in that situation right what now. what does it take to get to that position i mean how do we get we'd there have to, we'd have to change the constitution we'd have to have an initiative um, in front of the people cuz the legislature's not going to do it cuz they're both they're dominated by both political parties you'd have to put an initiative in front of the people that would allow them to choose the way they elect people um, there's, you know, the states, you know, under Article Two, are in, in charge of the way we run elections. So we are, we we are the laboratories of democracy. Alaska's done this. Alaska's experienced this, you know, and and we saw Sarah Palin lose, and a bunch of Republicans got upset. But the fact of the matter was that most of the people that voted for the third place Republican candidate first voted for the Democrat second. So it's democracy. It's the way democracy is supposed to work. So, you know, you'd have to put something on the ballot in 24 and there's a bunch of us out there right now. We're, we've got a website up called save democracy. AZ. If people are lo- interested in listening and, and learning about it, I encourage you to get on there and learn. When you, uh, when you hear what's going on with the voting machines here and the tabulation machines here in Maricopa County, they say up to 20% of the locations are experiencing problems. Is this gonna, is this gonna stop voters from going to the polls or how is it gonna alter what people are doing today? Well, I mean, there's so much disinformation out there, Mike. You know that. I mean, our election system works pretty well. The, the, we've been doing absentee ballots in Arizona since 1992 or voted home ballots. We've got that system down pretty well. There's really no fraud. There's no allegations. There's no truth in any of those allegations of fraud. And, you know, that's the best way to vote, because then it 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 doesn't create these lines that you guys were talking about just now. You can go vote. You put your ballot in the mailbox and you go vote it. And then, you know, they count it. Um, And so now because of this perpetuation of this lie, you've got all of these people concerned and they're lining up to vote. God bless them. But that's what's going to happen when you get everybody lining up to vote. We're going back to the early 90s where these types of problems were routine, where you always had problems at um, precincts and election days. And you know now we have modems and we have communications equipments and it's electronic and everything's getting. So you have to have each election site has to be 
on on spot. I mean, how many times do you go into work and your computer's not working? I mean, I could say 20% of my days, that's probably true when I go into work and I'm like, got to reboot the computer. Well, that's what's happening here. It's the same thing. They'll fix it. They'll get it going and the lines will diminish over time, but it, it is what it is. So we've talked at, at length about the six statewide races that's getting all of the attention, but what we really haven't focused on is how dramatically different the legislature could look. There is such a thin minority yep. of Republicans Republicans in both the House and the Senate. Do you believe the Republicans stay? Do they gain seats? Does it one House or the other? Does one body become Democrat controlled? What's your feeling? Well, it's going to come really close. There's three districts that I'm watching. Um, that's uh, District Four here in Phoenix, um, District uh, Nine out in East the East Mesa, and District Thirteen or West Mesa rather, and District um, Thirteen down in Chandler. Those are three very competitive districts where Democrats are running candidates. One who is an incumbent, uh, House member. Uh, or Senate um, that that have chances to win those Senate races. If they win those three Senate races, then it's going to be a 15-15 tie. Um, if not, one of them loses. It's probably a one-seat majority for the Republicans in the legislature in the Senate. Probably similar in the House. It's going to be one or two. So very similar to what we have right now. And, you know, that's a reflection of the cycle, Mike. We're, we're not talking about because Republicans have chosen to go a very conservative route, a very MAGA route here, um, and the rest of the electorate still looking for answers, none of which are being really provided by the Democrats. But the electorate's looking for answers here. And so there's this division line that you see existing today is going to perpetuate itself through this cycle. Chuck, I always appreciate a conversation with you. It's always interesting, and I look forward to having you come back after the election. We'll talk results. Thanks, Michael. It's great talking to you, and uh, have a great day, and everybody get your ballot in, please. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, Chuck. That's Chuck Coughlin from High Ground, a wealth of information here in Arizona and talking about what can be changed in the future. We're also talking about what's going on today. Coming up in just a moment, we are going to talk about the border. A record number of illegal immigrants have escaped from the Border Patrol in the month of October. Uh, what will that do moving forward? That's all coming up here in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, a big reminder, the Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Veteran, Weezer, and so much more returns to Tempe Beach Park the 24th, or 25th and 26th of February. Tickets just went on sale, but you can head to the contest page at KTAR.com for complete details and a chance to win tickets. Uh, Very quickly, before we close out this hour, and next hour we are going to have Tony Connie on with us, founder of Slingshot Campaign. A Democrat strategist worked in the Biden election team who will get a perspective from the other side of the aisle from me on that one and how the Democrats are going to fare in Arizona. Um, But first, record number of illegal migrants escaped from the Border Patrol in October. That's one of the headlines at the border. Um, This one here is I think there are two things that are frustrating to people that live in border states and the people that watch this, which is not everybody. It certainly is not the number one issue with Americans. But when it, when you say that people at the border have escaped, it is a scary proposition knowing that we've had a record number of people that have been captured at the border that are on the terror watch list. So there is a national security implication to that. We also know about fentanyl and other drugs, much of it 
again, an acknowledgement, much of it, most of it coming through the ports of entry. But we don't know who these people are or what they're doing, and that's a big concern, especially when they escape. But this is the one that gets to all the people. This is when I say to you that the Biden administration seems to be completely out of touch on this issue. Here is the headline. The Biden administration set up illegal migrants in hotel suites complete with room service. The Biden administration placed illegal migrants into taxpayer-funded hotel suites with comfortable accommodations, according to Immigration and Customs Enforcement, uh, contracting documents obtained by a group called America First Legal. Illegal migrants must have access to a number of comfortable accommodations, including room service and child care, while under the care of eligible service providers, according to the documents which were obtained in a Freedom of Information Act request. The requirements for some of the illegal migrants included that their service provider must provide meat-based courses at every meal, which is delivered to each illegal migrant's room, 24-hour access to drinks and snacks, television programming in English and Spanish, and mattresses of a certain thickness. Now – There is a far cry from torturous conditions and treating people poorly and this – Um, You talk about incentives, and when people are given cell phones as monitoring devices, and they're able to communicate with their family members back home in other parts of the world, and they find out that when they come here, that where they – and this isn't everyone, but it's enough people where they're being put up in hotels and accommodations and fed three meals a day with restrictions that they have to be meat-based, and they have to be this, and they have to be that. It gives the impression, whether when you hear that story, you think that it's overblown or not, it gives the impression to people that not only are you welcome here. This is truly the land of milk and honey. You come here into the country illegally and you are given a better lifestyle than you could have possibly imagined where you came from. Now, there's a difference. I believe people need to be fed. Don't confuse what I'm saying. But the perception of what we're doing with illegal immigration in this country is that this administration, this is if it if it weren't for the economy, This would by far be, in perception, the biggest failure of this administration is how tone deaf they are. And I'll tell you, a lot of this is on – it is on the president. But the vice president of the United States has been absolutely, unequivocally, completely absent. She made one trip down to El Paso and has not returned, and we've not heard one more word from her office, as far as I can tell, of what they're doing to change what's happening at the border. And it's becoming worse and worse and worse. As the weather gets nicer, and it is now, it is no longer the heat danger it was in the summer months, more and more people are coming. There is a huge push of people coming into the country, and the other concern is because today is the midterm elections, they want to come into this country before the switch, if there is one, as most of the country believes that at least the House for sure will be flip Republican, that they're concerned about rule changes after the midterm elections are over. So many people under the current rules as they exist, which are going to continue until at least probably the next session of Congress, they are going to be able to come into this country and under the rules that exist, and not just the rules and laws that exist, but the enforcement of those rules and laws. And so what we're seeing, what we are witnessing now is this huge number of people pushing into this country before it gets too late. And the administration needs to get its arms around this. When you have stories about people escaping, it breeds some fear in people. When you start talking about creature comforts that many people right now, you listen to stories about Americans that are taking second and third jobs just to keep their heads above water financially. And then you find out people that are in the country illegally are being put up in hotels with room service. That breeds anger and resentment. And it's again what I've said before. I am a huge proponent of legal immigration. I think we need a robust system.
system that allows good, hardworking people to come and live the American dream. The longer that things like this go on, the less Americans are accepting of immigration. It's something that they end up becoming angry about and bitter about and resentful about. It needs to change. This is one of the biggest failures of this administration by far. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, Tony Connie joins us, founder of Slingshot Campaigns. He worked on the Biden campaign, is an expert from the Democrat side of the equation. We're going to talk with him in just a couple of moments.